This episode of the unofficial Shopify podcast is brought to you by Zipify and their flagship app, Zipify Pages. Zipify Pages is an e-commerce sales funnel and landing page builder that seamlessly integrates into your Shopify store. Just start with one of a growing list of templates, customize, and go. These templates are created by my friend and eight-figure Shopify store owner, Ezra Firestone. Each template is built with proven conversion elements, but also features a simple drag-and-drop editor, so you could truly make each of these pages your own. You could customize, tweak, test, to create some awesome landing pages and sales funnels. Check out all the details and sign up for the brand new application at Zipify.com. That's Zipify, Z-I-P-I-F-Y.com. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from S-Loyalty. S-Loyalty empowers your Shopify store with exciting ways to reward your customers. And that's important because happy customers are loyal customers. Thousands of stores have used S-Loyalty, and it's no wonder. S-Loyalty lets you attract new customers, reward existing customers, and increase customer retention, all of which will help you stand head and shoulders above the competition. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can launch S-Loyalty in your store in as fast as 10 minutes. Plus, as a special offer to our listeners, they're giving you 60 days free. Use coupon code PODCAST60 when you sign up at sloyalty.com. That's S as in shopper, loyalty.com. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast, recording from EtherCycle headquarters outside Chicago. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. I'm a Shopify Plus expert, and today I'm a migration enthusiast. What does that mean? Well, we're talking about migrating an existing Shopify or an existing e-commerce store to Shopify. So yes, there are stores out there that aren't on Shopify. But we it's it's okay. We can migrate them to Shopify. One of my, uh, a friend of mine who owns Growth Spark, Ross Baylor, uh, we hung out. He's been on the podcast before. We hung out in San Francisco last year. Going to hang out in San Francisco again this year. Great guy. He's the founder and CEO of Growth Spark, an agency that provides strategy design and development services to e commerce companies. But in making referrals, and I have made many to him, I've actually found out he's really extraordinary at doing big data migration stuff that I don't want to touch with a 10 foot pole. So I brought him on to discuss it with it, discuss that with us. But since its founding in 2008, GrowthSpark has completed over 350 projects with brands including Bose, Newberry Comics, Johnny Cupcakes, Bottle Keeper, and many more. During that time, they received awards from Interactive Media Awards, Internet Retailer, and Business Week. That's cool. Ross is also the proud alum of Babson College, where he occasionally guest lectures on topics including e-commerce design and entrepreneurship. Ross, welcome. Thank you so much, Kurt. Appreciate it. So tell me, when someone shows up and they say, hey, we've got a store, we want to migrate to Shopify, what's a typical reason they want to do that? Uh, a lot of reasons in general, but I would say there's probably three for us that come to mind most predominantly. Uh, the first one is is always just around conversion rate and performance, right? They they just aren't getting the conversion rates they expect. Their site isn't you know, mobile, mobile responsive. It has some slow load times, a lot of performance issues. So for them, migrating over to a more modern platform like Shopify is sort of just an easy way to, to see a bump in a lot of those things. Um, so that's, that's most often the case. 
The second is actually more tied to the operations of their business. Um, so rather than sort of being an issue with sales, it's more of an issue of, hey, we can't manage our website appropriately or we can't uh, sync our, our um, data to our accounting system or inventory management system. So there's sort of an operational flaw that's going on in their business. And then the last is uh, usually some sort of kind of more amorphous brandy <laughs> type reason. You know, I love these when someone says, I just want a new look or we just want to freshen things up. If that's a reason for them to spend a ton of money with us, that's great. Um, <laughs> a lot of times, you know, those are, are less tangible uh, reasons, but, right. but we do have folks coming to us saying we just want to, you know, change the brand. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, people will say, I think you're right. You know, either it's a, like a need where the person says, I need this feature. I've seen it where it's just like, listen, we're on this platform. It's unreliable. We don't like the support. We want to go to Shopify. So, okay, mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you have the situations where the person goes, listen, we are going to redo our website anyway. So we like Shopify as a platform. We may as well just switch over to Shopify. And I think that's a perfectly good reason. Totally, um, yeah, absolutely. You mentioned, you said, hey, if you want to spend a ton of money, what uh, and this is specific to Growth Spark. What would be the the budget range for someone who's migrating? And I know this is like asking how much does a house cost. Exactly, exactly. Um, it's uh, it's it's a little challenging. So what we've learned is that it's it's best to think about the project as sort of two very discrete components, right? Uh, maybe even three. So there's the what does it take to actually handle the theme design and development aspect of it. Big difference there is are you going to use a pre built theme or are you going to go custom? For us, right. we, we only do custom work, so it, it automatically kind of bumps the, the price tag up. The yeah, second for us, piece, the price difference would yeah. be, our, well, our custom theme development cost starts at twenty grand now. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah okay, you just tack twenty grand onto the existing store exactly. setup cost. So yeah, you're yeah. right. There's two wild, like that is a huge factor right there. Yeah, okay. yeah. And, and, and I think that's a reasonable, like 20, 25 grand is kind of a reasonable starting price, you know, for a custom theme. I mean, when you're talking about really doing something unique and, and, and custom built, it, you're going to have to spend that kind of money to do it right. Um, so that's one big piece of it. The second is, uh, if there are any significant integrations, we, we have found folks who are migrating, you know, they tend to be a bit more established, uh, you know, they have some sales history, etc. In a lot of instances, they already have some sort of system that they use to run their business, whether that's just for inventory inventory and shipping or order management, maybe a larger ERP type system. So if there's a, a big kind of kludgy, clunky thing that we have to tie Shopify into, um, if it's not a more modern system like a ship station or whatnot that has a pre-built integration with Shopify, that could be a, a beefy kind of chunk of the budget by itself. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, and then the last bit is just actually facilitating the data uh, and content migration. In a lot of instances, um, you know, we're working with clients who have tens of thousands of, of products uh, and they have, you know, a hundred thousand orders and, you know, 50,000 customers, whatever it is. Uh, a lot of times with data of this magnitude doesn't, uh, you can't necessarily get away with doing things manually, uh, certainly. And in a lot of Shopify's inbuilt tools or prebuilt tools don't necessarily work in that kind of structure. We could talk more about that, but that alone could add another, you know, five to, I mean, we've even seen five to 20 grand worth of, of work just in doing sort of the data content migration piece. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when you see people migrating, what platforms are they typically coming from? I would say um, Magento and WooCommerce, absolutely um, the most common. I think it's partially because those are also the other two kind of major players in the e-commerce platform space. Um, I think, actually, I think the numbers on both of those are still higher than Shopify. Don't quote me on that, but I think, I think there are, uh, you know, still more people out there. Um, yeah, you know, well, already on. in the last quarterly report, um, 
what was Shopify at? Like 375,000 stores? Yeah, yeah, I think that's Somewhere right. Somewhere in there? Yeah. And, and I think WooCommerce just has a, a ridiculous number just because it's open source. So you have, you know, it's on WordPress. So you have people just installing it and they're just probably reporting downloads and installs rather than active stores. Right. You know, yeah, so sure. that number could be totally inflated. Um, but yeah, they're definitely the most dominant. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see other, other kind of niche platforms or we'll see some other, um, you know, folks sometimes moving from Squarespace or, or Wix kind of upstream. Uh, those kind of projects, though, they, they tend not to be people looking for these large-scale data migrations. Those tend to be people who are like, hey, I actually set up a Squarespace thing and it worked. Now I want to, <laughs> yeah, now I want to turn this into a business. That's, hey, we validated this, this MVP or this side hustle. Yeah. Now we yeah. want to... Uh, move this on up to Shopify and turn the new serious business. And those yeah, are the ones I, I like those a lot. Those are the ones I take on. Um, yeah. So then, and then the ones I get where they're like, yeah, we got this mega store with 10,000 products and this bespoke enterprise resource planning system help. That's where yeah. I often say, Oh, let me, <laughs> let me talk to my friend Ross over, yeah. <laughs> over in Boston. Um, nice. Okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, with Magento, they're also moving to like Magento too. So people yeah. essentially have to, Part of upgrading, and those stores end up getting really custom and chopped up, um, is essentially replatforming. So I think mm-hmm. we're going to be seeing a lot more, uh, or seeing a, a mass exodus from from Magento around now. I could be yeah. talking out of my ass, though. But. No, no. I mean, we've definitely seen. I mean, a lot of folks who are coming to us, you know, from Magento. They're in that situation where they're like, "Hey, listen, you know, we're, we have to upgrade to two. It seems like the process is going to be pretty much the equivalent of of you know replatforming to some new system like Shopify." Uh, you know, we're on this contract renewal deadline. So all these factors kind of line up and all of a sudden it, you know, it becomes more and more clear to them that something like Shopify plus could be a better, better fit. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And tr- we are, we are both Shopify plus experts and dearly love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, okay. What do you think are, when planning a project like this, what are some of the things that people overlook that ends up uh, hurting their, the success or the timeline or the budget of a project? Yes, content, content, content. There is nothing. Um, there's nothing more uh, sort of troublesome in a migration like this as as content is, and I think it's it's for a couple of reasons, right? The first is that people often get caught up in well, we need everything. You know, everything that we have is important, and we can't get rid of anything. And I think that's often the the wrong mindset to have when it comes to migrating. That's um, yeah. For me, if I see, I get the I you get that laundry list. Mm-hmm. And you say, okay, we'll prioritize it. And they're like, all right, everything's a priority. Exactly. Well, so, okay, that's where I start. That's a red flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, don't, if you don't have some lens that you can apply, and it doesn't have to be super granular. It could be as simple as, listen, you know, we're going to spend literally five minutes in Google Analytics. <laughs> we're going to look at your content list, and we're going to see what represents 80% of your page views. This is a very easy you know, thing to calculate in Google Analytics you often find it's 100 pages, you know. Um, same thing with products. You could say, all right, well, t- show me 90% of your revenue in terms of products. You know, what, what percentage of your overall product mix might that be? And a lot of instances, you know, people get obsessed. Well, well we have 100,000 SKUs in our, in our catalog. All right, well, 90% of your sales come from, you know, 500 of them. Is right. there a way? So then you, you ask, <laughs> you know, why are you doing the other stuff? Yeah, you're yeah. applying uh, Pareto's principle exactly. to this. And it, Pareto's principle works in almost everything. But yeah, it is important to say to make these these data driven decisions and prioritize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. If you don't, uh, it's it, it just what happens is the project gets so bloated so fast. If you're not 
you're not coming into it with a mindset of what can we cut, what can we get rid of, and how do we how do we just get you migrated over as quickly and as affordably as possible, then you start to see those timelines get extended, those budgets getting blown, and, and people just getting really upset. Um, you know, we're very much of the mindset of the, the sooner we get you on Shopify, the sooner you're going to get the benefit of being on Shopify. And that benefit translates to more revenue and more excitement and more confidence. And that allows us to then do more advanced things and add the, you know, details and superfluous elements afterwards. You're, oh, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I think um, if you're replatforming to Shopify, I mean, that's a, a good chance to re, essentially reboot that online presence and yeah. say, strip it back down to, just for stage, and you can even say, listen, this is just stage one. So you strip it back down to, what is the minimum we need? What's to generate, you know, that 80%, like, what's the 20% of our business we need online to generate 80% of our revenue? Okay, mm-hmm. build that on Shopify, get that up and live, and then based on its performance, now you can make new decisions about what you do and don't need. Yep, exactly. Did I get that right? Yep, that's exactly right. Okay, so that sounds like that's kind of the the mindset that it takes to make a great migration client. Uh, would you agree? Is yeah. There more to that. Who who is an ideal fit for this? So we we found it's nice to have some sort of a deadline to work against, but it's very uncomfortable when that deadline is you know eight weeks or less. <laughs> if someone comes to us and they're like, "Hey, listen, it's January. You know, our contract renews in, in June. We need to be migrated off by then." That's great. You know, six months to to really take your time and think through things is good. But there's still some sort of a finish line that we're looking at, so people don't drag their feet forever. When someone comes and says, "Hey, listen, we have to migrate by the end of the month." That becomes a little a little more stressful, uh, and oftentimes leads to you know a lot of um, just a, a lot of confusion, a lot of chaos in the project. So there's sort of this sweet spot. You know, I would say three to six months of a timeline uh, for us to work with. So if someone can come in with a mindset of, hey, I only care about what's going to work and what's actually effective, and I've got three to six months to do it in, then all of a sudden this lays a really nice foundation for us to be you know, effective and be a really good partner work with them working through this process. So then conversely, you would say a, a bad client, a bad fit for this would be someone who says, all right, you've got four weeks because I've chosen the date arbitrarily to, yep. <laughs> repro- to take my current site and reproduce it on Shopify. I think mm-hmm. that's the mistake that happens. Is exactly. The person that like, just says, well, we want to be on Shopify, but we also want exactly the same site. Yeah, well, exactly. No, it, it won't work. And you're just, you know, and what's the purpose of that? I mean, you just make yourself crazy. If that's what you want, just stay on the, stay on the right, old exactly. site, right? Stay on your current site. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, and I think part of it too is there's a huge, we talked about it, you know, at the beginning of this, there's a huge difference between using a pre-built theme versus a, a custom theme. You know, and we, we have our own reasons for for choosing to only do custom work, but I think for the right client um, who who understands that a pre-built theme isn't custom <laughs> and understands that it is kind of what you see is what you get, and if they're willing to kind of work within the parameters of a pre-built theme, and a lot of these themes are fantastic, they're responsive and professional, but as long as they're the client has... They're not all made alike. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's, there's definitely there's some grim ones out there. Huge inconsistencies. Yeah. There's huge inconsistencies in CMS capabilities on the back end, you know, in, in perf- true performance and load speed. So I think a, a, a slightly technical smart client who understands what these themes can and can't do, 
um, is really good because then, you know, as you're looking at this and you're talking time and money, you can shave 20 grand in, in four weeks off the project if you decide to go with a pre-built theme. But again, knowing what those limitations are. So I think that's another big, big component here is just a client with an understanding of what is and isn't reasonable, depending on which of those two routes you go with pre-built versus custom. Oh, for sure. Um, and speaking of like, you know, themes being of different quality, uh, <laughs> shout out to Out of the Sandbox. I trust anything those guys produce. It's really fantastic themes, top notch. Um, yeah. I use those quite a bit. Uh, let's see. Was it? Okay. So back to, to migration, the hardest part of migrating, you know, looking at it and tell me if I'm, if I got this right. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's two things you get. Essentially, the first part is, hey, here's my laundry, our laundry list of requirements. And mm-hmm. either they're going to be unrealistic where it's like literally it's everything and then some. Or it's realistic where they've thought about it and they said, okay, here's the features we need. And then you can recommend, all right, here's a customization, an app, a service, a way to do this. Yep. Like that's step one. Then step two is, um, and I think like the, that step one really just comes from experience working with the platform where you know like – you've encountered enough features and problems where you know what the best solution is. Someone says, hey, need subscriptions? You go, okay, we're going to use Bold Apps recurring orders, done. That kind of right. thing. Um, that's, that's really the easy part. You just work on the platform for a couple of years, you just know it. The second part is migrating the data. Why is this so hard? It's a good question. <laughs> um, I think it, first it's important for people to understand that uh, well, this is slightly arbitrary, but we, we do think of sort of the, the content element and the data element as, as slightly different things. And it's more just semantics. But knowing that, you know, there's products, there's pages, there's blog posts, um, there's images, there's navigation, there's collections, all these elements we kind of think of as, as more content, right? Um, whereas there's the data aspect of it, which, you know, for us is more of customers, orders, discount codes, gift cards, that kind of stuff. Again, a, a, just a more semantic differentiation, but we think it's helpful to think about it as one of these things you can just start cutting out. Like you can really cut through your pages, you can cut through your products, you can make some editing decisions when it comes to migrating that over. And in a lot of instances, you actually want to make changes along the way. You want to reshoot your product photography, you know, you want to rewrite your blog posts, whatever it might be. Whereas your data, your customer history, your order history, these things generally aren't going to change. You know, you want to maintain complete integrity of your of your customer history and your order history, and and in a lot of instances, uh, existing discount codes and gift cards. So I think the mindset is, is slightly different between the two. Um, one should be edited, and the other should really be focused on on consistency. And I think that the other challenge is that the means by which you can migrate, you know, these different content elements and data elements vary significantly within Shopify. Um, unfortunately, we're still, you know, we're still in a situation where only a few things can actually be imported in bulk. You know, you can import products in bulk, uh, you can import customers in bulk, but you can't import and you can import discount codes in bulk. Natively, you can't import uh, gift cards, uh, order history, collections, pages, you know, even blog posts, you know, require apps and, and things like that. So there's some major inconsistencies with how you can get that data ported over to Shopify. So depending on the scale, you know, if you're talking about, you know, 10 blog posts, you know, 20 products and five pages, that's pretty easy stuff. But when you're talking about 10,000 products and, you know, 500 blog posts, et cetera, things start to get a little different and the way you need to approach migration has to be different as well. Certainly. Yeah. I've run into, you know, there, there are times where I say, listen, if you can get me a spreadsheet, I can work with it. They give me mm-hmm. a spreadsheet and it's going to involve a lot of, 
you know, maybe I can write some clever regular expressions, but it may ultimately I have to plan on, I might need to touch every single one of these products. Yeah. So unless you could be dead certain, you know, then it needs to be limited to several hundred products in my case. Um, or, you know, uh, I've also seen people do things manually, like uh, take a mechanical Turk approach where mm-hmm. they hire someone who does data entry and just mindlessly copies and pastes the stuff. Yeah. Have you, yeah. have you done that? Uh, I have spent um, a number of late nights in front of Netflix uh, <laughs> posting <laughs> things manually, you know, as needed on a, on a deadline. We've had team nights like that where it's just like, okay, guys, I'll own products. You own blog posts. You own pages. You know, we've, we've been in those situations, unfortunately. Luckily, not so much, uh, you know, over the last six or, six or nine months, um, but it has happened. I think what we what we have been able to kind of move towards. So let me maybe walk you through sort of the different methods, okay. um, specifically with products, because I think this is a really important one. So you know you can certainly add things manually. That's great, whether it's you or outsourcing it, you know, through Mechanical Turk. The second is you can get familiar with Shopify's native bulk import tool. You know they have a, a kind of a prescribed CSV file that you can kind of fill out and upload. The big limitation there, though, is it does not support. Um, the use of meta fields directly in that spreadsheet. So anyone who, and this, this happens a lot for us, anyone who's migrating from something like Magento, where you have the ability to create custom fields for your products. So for instance, you know, here's the, you know, here's the, the not just the vendor, but here's the vendor name, description, location. Here's, you know, the secondary description of the product. Here's some, some uh, dimensional data that isn't housed in Shopify. When you're dealing with those kind of custom fields, um, you have to u- often use Shopify's MetaFields capability to import that data. You can't actually accommodate MetaFields in their default bulk import template. So then you have to now add an app on top of it, like Custom Fields uh, or MetaFields 2. You then have to use their bulk import tool. So now all of a sudden you're you know doing a mix and match game between two different ways of, of bulk importing product data, which gets a little you know kind of funky. The the third option is you use um, I guess the best way to consider them is sort of a, a migration service like N Channel or Cart to Cart. Um, I've used Cart to Cart with mixed results. Sometimes it's like magic, and then other times it still, you know, it really depends. I think on how clean your data is. It, it's a hundred percent on how clean your data is. That's exactly right. And and again, if you're looking to to do some crazy, you know, custom field mapping and things like that, it, I think it gets really complicated real fast. Um, so what we at GrowSpark, what we've actually done is, is uh, built our own tool, uh, actually using Shopify's API, product API, to be able to map any kind of a product, what we call product architecture. So basically, you know, the fields associated with our, our client's product data. We built our own tool that allows us to take any product architecture that a client wants, map it to any fields that Shopify can support. So tags, meta fields, you know, default uh, variant fields, things like that, hmm. and then facilitate the import uh, on our own. So this is great because now all of a sudden we don't have to, you know, we don't have to be limited by the product structure. We don't have to be limited by the number of products. We can actually really chew through anything. Um, even that though is not, it's not turnkey. It does take some, it takes some really thoughtful decision making around, you know, what product fields do we keep? Which ones do we drop? How do they map? Is this, you know, a field that has to be searchable versus a field that has to, you know, become a filter. There's a lot of kind of strategic decisions that go into building an effective product architecture. Um, and that's actually one of the main activities that we go through in one of these large migrations is is going through the client's existing product data. So usually, a, you know, a CSV export, you know, of their, of their Magento. We go field by field, column by column, and we, we sort of look at it and say, okay, are we going to keep this? If we are, where is that data going to be stored within Shopify? 
it, it, you know, it can be cumbersome of a process. It might take a few hours to kind of do that with, with a client. But once you have everything mapped out, you know, then you can generate sort of a, a new CSV template that we can take their Magento data and map to. And then that CSV just is imported with our tool and everything kind of works pretty seamlessly from there. So it's a, it's a lot of upfront work and planning. But once it's all nailed down, then we have the ability to, you know, handle 100,000 product import. Very good. So, Ross, when you're doing a migration, how do you... How do you help someone decide? Do I want to which Shopify plan do I want to be on? Regular Shopify, you know, it's like Shopify Advanced for three hundred bucks a month, or Shopify Plus. That's a great question. Um, when it comes to these larger scale migrations, you're in a lot of instances you're you're going to be in a situation where the client sort of has to go with Shopify Plus. Uh, so, for instance, uh, I think it's both the discount code API and the gift card API. Uh, both require Shopify Plus subscriptions in order to utilize them. So anyone who wants to dynamically generate gift card, uh, discount codes or who wants to migrate existing gift card balances automatically has to use Shopify Plus. If they don't, then unfortunately we're not going to be able to migrate that data over, you know, kind of period. So there's there's some requirements like that. Um, same thing goes with, uh, uh, you know, if they want to use the multi-pass API, which is the ability to maintain an existing uh, sort of third-party login uh, credential or, or user account and be and allow customers to then integrate with that existing account. So let's say they had a forum somewhere that was uh, that was tied to their customer ID. When they migrate over to Shopify, they want people to be able to continue using that forum login. That's an example of you know where MultiPass would come in. That's another type of thing that just requires Shopify Plus off the bat. Um, so there's a few of these that. I think for, for us, when we're talking these larger scale migration projects, it's it's kind of clear uh, that they're required to go in that direction. Um, if it's not for that, you know, then it comes down to some of the key features Shopify Plus offers. So if they're if they have a big B two B component, you know, they're trying to do wholesale. Uh, Shopify Plus now is a wholesale channel, which might be a great option uh, depending on on the requirements there. Same thing goes with Shopify scripts. Um, you know, a lot of our clients do have kind of advanced uh, pricing logic that has to go uh, into the into the thinking that we have for the site. Um, so if they're talking about doing customer spe- customer group specific pricing or product uh, discounts based on you know bulk purchases, there are some great apps out there. But generally, we find things are are in the end cleaner and more efficient if we can use Shopify scripts to control that. So that might be another reason why someone would would consider doing Shopify Plus. Yeah, and in an episode not long ago, we talked uh, with Gavin Ballard, uh, mm-hmm. and we walked through Shopify scripts. And it's so powerful, so cool and easy um, to set these things up and essentially do coupon code list discounting. Yep. I like, yeah, I like Shopify scripts a lot for Plus. Um, yeah. The other nice migration point is having, especially for someone maybe who's coming from Magento, is getting that branded and customizable checkout. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's... um. It's definitely one of those things where I think it's important for people to understand there are still some limitations with that. Uh, we have had clients come in and be like, well, I'm on Plus. I can do whatever I want. It's yeah, it's not certainly not that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not 100% that. But it's it's a significantly improved experience when it's your domain, it's it's your header or footer, it's you know totally branded to your uh, your specific store um, you know, versus some, sort of the more standardized look and feel of, of the checkout that Shopify has. And I think uh, like with larger brands making enough with enough revenue certainly it's worthwhile just for the the minor 
the improved brand experience um, mm-hmm. and the minor boost in, in conversion that having that consistent domain name would add. But yeah, speak to your point. Yeah, you could styling it is nice. Um, a good like if you check out the Chives Shopify store, like it looks like they all they've done is styled the checkout to match in the Shopify Plus store. Um, yeah. You can add a little bit of functionality in there. Uh, the other day I stuck. If you check out Jay Leno's Garage Care, which we both worked on, um, mm-hmm. if you check that out, uh, we added address auto completion into the checkout. Which nice, is really cool. Like if I it uses geolocation and auto completion, so like literally just typing the first three digits of my home address, it populates my complete address. Is the craziest thing. Wow, um, that's awesome. Yeah, it works. So like that alone as a conversion booster might be worthwhile for Plus. I don't, I've gone down a rabbit hole here. Okay, the other common... So we're coming to the end of our time together, and this has been quite valuable. Um, but one of the, the common questions, concerns people have when migrating is, my SEO, I've, you know, <laughs> save my SEO. What, what goes into that? That's a good question. So I think the first thing to realize is that... Um, your SEO, <clears throat> no matter what, is is going to have, it's going to be affected. Now, it's the going to be question, a bump in the road. It's going to be a bump in the road. Just accept that. Now, the question is how bumpy and for how long. The key here is understanding that the volume of content. If you do decide to, you know, go through an editing process and and all of a sudden you're cutting your content from, you know, whatever a thousand pages to to fifty or you know ten thousand products to a <clears> thousand. Google is going to see a huge difference in the number of index pages there. Uh, so that's automatically going to affect you. You have, you have to recognize. Now, there are some ways to mitigate that, that effect and, and to kind of help rectify things long term. The, the number one sort of most critical thing that clients have to do or have to kind of work with an expert on is putting together what we call a redirection map, which is, is really just a list of what are your current URLs, you know, products, pages, blog posts, et cetera, and what are the new URLs going to be in Shopify? In in nine times out of ten, I think pretty much any platform we've ever dealt with that someone's migrating from, uh, whether it's WooCommerce or Magento, I, I haven't seen anyone else have the exact same permalink structure as uh, as Shopify does, same URL structure. So because of that, you're going to have to go through this exercise of making sure whatever the old you know URL for the product is now matches with Shopify's new URL structure. So so taking the time to do this is absolutely one of the most critical things. Um, generally when it comes to importing those redirects, uh, Shopify does not have a bulk import capability for redirects natively. You can only add them one by one. So you're going to want to use an app. There's a bunch out there. Our favorite is probably traffic control. It seems to be, you know, pretty reliable or it was just one of the first. So we kind of, you know, fell in love with it. Um, but we have actually since, uh, learned to use the Shopify redirection API, which is actually fairly, uh, fairly easy to, to, to work with, um, to just bulk import the redirects on our own. Uh, so that's a, that's a mission critical step to the success of any one of these, you know, projects. And after that, you know, a lot of just the standard SEO best practices, you know, are, do you have image alt tags? Do you have, you know, is the site responsive? Do you have good load speed? Do you have your meta information, you know, set up across the site? Site maps are automatically generated. So just make sure you resubmit that to, to Google Search Console. A lot of the basics, you know, that come along. The, the biggest thing, though, in, in these kind of projects is making sure that your redirection map is, is sorted out. Beautiful. Yeah, one of the is really um, Shopify is very good at SEO out of the box. So if mm-hmm. you can nail what I've seen is if you can nail that redirection and migrate a lot of that content yeah, you get that, like, initially you get that drop. It gets a little little funky. Um, 
and then it it comes back and oftentimes comes back better and stronger mm -hmm. so. yeah absolutely and the other thing too is you know take take this opportunity if you are going to do some editing with your with your content and everything uh, just because the the old product is no longer going to exist doesn't mean you can't create a redirect to a new corresponding product or to a new collection uh, or to some other landing page. You know, it's a great opportunity for you to start to rethink, you know, how some of these landing pages might now funnel customers into a new, you know, new sales channel or such. So I think, I think a, a really good exercise, you know, as you're going through this editing process is thinking about, okay, for dropping this product category, what are we going to replace it with? You know, don't just let it go to a 404 page. You know, if there isn't a direct redirect here, <laughs> Um, you know, find a, find a supplement, find a replacement. Ross, uh, we're coming to the end of our time together. Do you have any closing thoughts? Like what, what's one thing you wish everyone would do in considering a migration? <laughs> Plan early. Um, just get started early. Even if you're just flirting with the idea for 2018, it's better to start early, start looking around, start giving some thought. Um, you know, find a great, uh, you know, Shopify partner, whether it's uh, EtherCycle or, or GrowSpark or someone else. Um, find someone who can help you in the process and just start the conversation, you know, as soon as you can, because there are a lot of moving parts. Um, if you want to do custom design, if you want to do significant content editing, these are things that, that just take time. You know, if you want to reshoot all your product photos, these are things that the more time you have, the better. So just get started early. It, it would be my number one recommendation. Great advice. Where can people go to learn more about you? Uh, well, we'd love them to check out our website, growthspark.com. Uh, we're also um, somewhat regularly posting stuff on LinkedIn, so feel free to follow us there. Same with Twitter. Uh, but, but generally, just reach out to us directly. Um, people can email me, ross at growthspark.com. If they have any questions, always love uh, nerding out on Shopify stuff. Very good. Thank you, Ross. And to our listeners, however this audio made it into yours, you can find out more about it at unofficialshopifypodcast.com. And if you'd like to be notified whenever a new episode goes live, you can sign up for my newsletter, kurtelster.com, and I'll shoot you an email whenever we post a new episode. And of course, if you'd like to work with me on your next project, you can apply at ethercycle.com, E-T-A-T-R-C-Y-C-L-E. -E. Thanks, everybody, and we'll be back next week. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.